So um, Sarge was recalling the um, crossing over the Jordan River on dry ground as we were walking in from his car that um, that's what we had last week, that it just like they crossed over dry land when they went across the Red Sea, they did the same thing in at the Jordan River right before they cross over into the Promised Land. They've been fighting the Amalekites and other people on the east side of the Jordan, and they're about to the, the Jordan cuts the, that land in half, and they're about to cross over the Jordan uh, to go. They're about five miles from the town of Jericho, and. Uh, how, Jimmy and Yvonne, y'all have seen the Jordan River, right? Y'all have been over there. How far is it across there? Across the river. Jordan, where you where you were at? Uh, I, I, it was. Is it fifty uh, yards or a hundred yards or uh, a, it, several hundred yards? Before we were at it, it wasn't. It was kind of in town part of it. Yeah. And so it wasn't very wide. They're probably... Okay. Probably well, because they can... 150 feet wide. Okay, because they can restrict the width of it there yeah, in town. Yeah, because it, yeah. And then it, it'll get deeper, so... Yeah. Um, we also seen where it's, it's... It's amazing how a little bit of water and, and before it gets anywhere, it's wide. Right. It's... Well... It's, they're, they're crossing over after the first harvest. They're crossing over in about March because it's right before the Passover. So we we know it's about that time of year. Um, it's what? Pardon? Flood season. Yes, it's the it is flood season. Just like we have, if we're going to have floods, we have them in the spring usually because of those storms. So the Jordan River at that time is out of its banks, and it's no small thing for it to be, I mean, there's just a lot of water. What do you think those guys over in Jericho, everybody on the west side of the Jordan, what do you think that they're thinking when there's the, there's um, uh so a couple of 300,000, I can't remember how many hundred thousand people there are in the army that, that the Israelites are bringing. And they're on the other side of the river. What do you think that they're thinking with all that water? I think they think they, that they're safe and they don't have anything to worry about. So they're sitting over there and they, they've been sweating. Rahab, Rahab's already told us that they've been sweating for 40 years, but they probably think, well, we're safer right now, just for a little while, and maybe they'll get tired and go somewhere else. They've been, we know they've been wandering around for 40 years. So that's what's going on when we, bring, when we get to chapter four. And it says, okay, it says, and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, they crossed over, that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here. That's okay, Pam. We'll just let it read for us. How about that? You could at least turn the volume down. Okay. Take for yourself 12, uh, take, so we got t- 12 men, one from every tribe, and take for yourself 12 stones from here, 
out of the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. So the, the priests are standing down there in their middle with the Ark of the Covenant. And they said, from the bottom of that thing, I want you to take up a, one stone for each tribe. So they take out 12 big stones from the bottom of the river um, where the priest's feet stood firm right there. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. So they take them up out of the river and back up onto the dry land and where they're going to spend the night, that's where they're going to leave them. And Joshua called the 12 men who he had appointed uh, and he said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one pick up a stone on his shoulder, carry according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. So it's a, it's a big stone. Yeah. It's on his shoulder. Uh, uh, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come. There's, there's several times throughout scripture where they, they make a, they make a monument. And he says, so when you, in the time to come, when your children say to you, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Um, if they just had 12 stones from anywhere, but every time the people that were there saw those stones, they remembered those things came from the bottom of the river and there'd be no way to get them out of there except that they got them out on dry ground. I mean, it, it'd be pretty hard to swim out with a big old rock like that, right? So they were, when they saw this monument in years to come, it, it was a big deal. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded, took up the 12 stones as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, laid them down there, and Joshua set up 12. So that's 12 stones that are up on the land. But then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. So he makes another monument at the bottom uh, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. And I think that they're there to this day when he wrote that. So, but that was 3,000 years ago. So he, I think that they're still there at the bottom of the Jordan where they crossed at Jericho. Um, so the priests who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people heard he crossed and crossed over. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over. So that's the guys that fought on the west side, or fought on the east side of the Jordan, and they're going to cross over. We talked about that last week. Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh came up, crossed over uh, armed, I don't know if apparently everybody's not armed, but they're armed uh, coming across to prepare for war. Uh, and they crossed for the Lord for the battle of the plains of Jericho to the plains of Jericho. All those guys that thought they might have been safe for a little while, they're, now they're sweating. Except, okay, hold on. Maybe they're still going to be safe because the Jericho had walls that were, they were six feet thick and then there was, there were buildings in between and then a 12-foot thick wall. So maybe they're going to be okay. You know, maybe they'll be okay, Sarge. Didn't God do one of the prophets tell Reuben and these half-tribes that came out of Joseph, get over there, get the hints, and see that your brother gets his reward? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Um, Yes. Moses said, sure. He told the guys that they said, hey, we kind of like this land. Why don't, can we just keep this land? Moses says, yeah, you can do that, but you still got to fight. You still got to fight for these other guys because you got to, and it said that. You have to see your brothers. It was Moses. He said, you have to see that your brothers' tribes get their land too because they all fought on the east side of the Jordan. He said, you don't get a pass because you decide to take a shortcut or an easy way. You still got to cross over and fight on that side too. So yes, that's exactly what they did. Um, so they crossed over about 40,000 prepared for war, 40,000 prepared for war, uh, crossed over before the Lord. And I, I think that the 40,000 is just those three tribes. Uh, yeah. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spoke to Joshua, which that was a promise that God made. But, and the Lord spoke to Joshua, said, command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. And he told them, come up. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant uh, had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of their feet touched the dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all the banks just like before. So when they... When the, as soon as their feet touch the water, I don't think I, they got wet. It, the water disappears out from under them and they go down in there and the water stays. It said it built up on one side only and, uh, and then all the water just went to nothing on this side. That's what would happen because it, it kept on flowing from up above and below. So it flowed away below and it stacked up, it says, uh, above. So. Yeah, there's set, there's there's a few mil. White, but there they just went right straight across. Yeah, yeah. There was no waiting. Right. Right. It took a long time. Yeah, this happened immediately. Yeah. So, uh, so he came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, which is Kislev. I think that's right. and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Uh, so between the river and Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what are these stones? You shall let your children know saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over I mean, and it just, as they were putting their feet in, it was dry. He dried it all up until we had crossed over that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. On top of all that is taking care of him for 40 years, he, just, just so that they know, you didn't do this on your own. Even though you got 40,000 guys from the three tribes even though that you got that, you're still, it's still me doing it. And that's, that's the only way you're going to get this land is by the same thing that Joshua and Caleb said before. We be well able because the Lord is with us. And so, uh, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
All right, so that's chapter four. Chapter five. This is a little parenthetical chapter. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites, so it's 10, it's a, it was the 10th of the month, which is four days before Passover. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were, who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their heart melted. We talked about that last week. Um, uh, our hearts, uh, what did Rahab say? Our hearts, it was something like that, melted. But then it says all the kings, their hearts melted because I believe that they were, they thought it was going to be impossible to cross. And it was, it was impossible. All those people couldn't cross. So they were safe for a while, except Lord dried it up. Lord took away the only obstacle that was there. So their heart melted. So at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives. Oh, yeah, this is rough, y'all. Um, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time because all these 40 years they weren't circumcising the babies. So now these men of fighting age and all that stuff are going to use flint knives to circumcise, and I'm not going to get into that, uh, and circumcise the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they'd come out of Egypt. We already know that. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way that as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed who were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers he would give us as a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised all their sons whom he had, whom he had raised up in their place. They've been raised up to, to fear the Lord and to have faith in him above anything, for they had been uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Three days. Yeah, it's not. It's only a few days. It doesn't take. It, maybe they had Three very long days. Ma- amazing healing. Yeah, I, I, let's not talk about it anymore. <laughs> Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the approach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this May, which means rolled away. The Lord took away the shame that they had had from Israel from coming out of Egypt when all the people made fun of them and the whole the land everywhere made fun of them. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month just four days later at the twilight on the plains of Jericho, maybe three days, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover. Unleavened, this is great. They ate of the produce of the land on the day after Passover. Unleavened bread, parched grain on the very same day, and that's what they always ate at Passover. But this time, it, it's, it was a part of the land. So I guess they went out and harvested yeah, they har- harvested it, though, from Jericho's fields. Yeah. Uh, they ate the produce of the land. The children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan. Because they, for 40 years, longer than 40 years, they've been eating manna. What's this? 
And that's the first time they've eaten something besides manna in all that time. But but it's because that's what the land, the land was a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to have everything you need, which is how God works. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he, the man said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Um, so this is an angel, right? A messenger, a messenger of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord. Yes, yes, it's Jesus um, with a sword. Uh, as commander of the army, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Joshua, the word is a Yahshua. What's Jesus name? Yeshua. Um, so it's the same. I mean, so he's talking to himself. Joshua is talking to the, a pre-incarnate Jesus with the same, a person with the same name. What does my Lord say? And commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. You can tell that it is Jesus himself because anytime any of the angels visited and somebody tried to <laughs> worship them, they said, no, don't worship right. me, only yeah. worship the Father. He did not. He, he also done uh, nearly every time the angels come, they they strike fear in people, and who this messenger didn't strike fear in Joshua. No, no, he, just he wasn't afraid. You said, "Okay, you for us or against us?" But he still wasn't afraid of him, right? Because he, I think, he knew who it was. Or if there's any connection to washing the feet here, uh, to washing to foot washing. Yeah, I mean, Jesus had them take their sandals off and wash their uh -huh. feet. So, uh -huh. there's a connection. I don't know. I don't think he washes his feet. But Not here, no. Yeah. But I'm saying there might be a connection. But he takes off his I, Well, I thought of when God told Moses. Take off his feet too. Yeah. Take off, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Plus taking off your sandals cut in there too. The place where you stand is holy. Um, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Like I said, they had... They had 12 foot walls on the outside, so 12 feet of stone, and then there were beams in between and six feet of stone on the inside, and a whole, I mean, there's whole houses, buildings. I mean, it's huge walls. How much of that, that was built in the last 40 years? Do I? How much of that was built in the last 40 years? Oh, yeah, that they'd spent all that time. But that's where Rahab's house was. It was in between the two, two walls. So um, they were securely, underlined securely there. That's foreshadowing. They were securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Yeah. Did y'all hear Jeff? He said, I wonder how much of that wall had been built in just the last 40 years. But I mean, it's a castle like we think of castles. Um, and none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hands. 
It's king and the mighty men of valor, that all the soldiers there. I've given them into your hands. See? Well, it didn't look like that. Just like a lot of times that what God's promised us, it doesn't look like it. Uh, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. Priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people will shout. Now, these are instructions he's given to just to Joshua. All the people will shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Okay, if everybody goes straight before him into the city, I picture that day that they're spread out all around the city and then everybody just walks forward because the walls fall flat. Gigantic walls. Everything on that wall fell flat except for Rahab's house. And everything falls flat. It's funny when you talk about these sign, you watch these scientific show, so scientific, I'm using air quotes, scientific shows that say, you know, it, there could have been fault lines and the people walking around over and over, it could have made it fall, but it selectively falls and leaves one little piece with the only person that was promised, uh, and that part standing. So yeah, it's, it's totally a miracle. Once again, just like the water dried up in the Jordan. God is still delivering this stuff to the people on a platter. They don't do anything for it except just follow the simple instructions. Easy. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to him, and he told them what they were going to do, proceed and march around the city. So it was down at the bottom. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. Now this is their first time around. So they blow the trumpet every time they go around. Uh, only on the last time, they do it differently. The Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came up after the Ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed from your mouth until the day I say to you, shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And, okay. So the, you got the picture that they they just walk around in silence. On the one end, I mean, if you're on the inside and you're thinking, okay, we're we're safe now, right? We're safe. And they walk around it and nothing happens. And you go, well, that didn't seem too bad. I wonder if they're trying to find some way to get in. But they, we know there's no way to get in. Nobody can get in. Nobody can go out. So I think we're okay. And then they, uh, another day, the second day, they walk around it and nothing happens. Third day, walk around it, nothing happens. Fourth day, walk around it one time. Everybody quiet except for these horns blowing, ram's horns blowing. And there's an army, but they don't do anything. There's some walking in front of the Ark of the Covenant and some walking behind, but they don't do anything and all the people are walking and they're quiet. Except there's a million people, it's going to make some noise, but nothing happens. The seven priests bearing the trumpets uh, went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the arm, armed men went before them and the rear guard came after the Ark while the priests continued blowing. And the second day they marched around the... 
city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days, but it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Seven times, quietly walking around. But this time it's not just one, seven times. For this couple of million people to walk around seven times probably took a while and they get tired. I... Um, there's this old movie called Monty Python in Search of the Holy Grail, and it's a it's a spoof funny show about these knights, and they're trying they keep trying to attack this castle, and there's French guys um, that holler out, uh, and they holler out, you know, what are you lost or something, you silly knigets knights. They call them Knigets and they have this French accent. That, it, that, that scene was immortalized in, berry, in Veggie Tales where the, the French peas holler out at the... I can imagine something like that happens. They walk around and the, the, at first they're a little bit afraid and then the second day they're not much afraid. The third day they start hollering out, maybe throwing stuff at them. Why are you idiot? Can't... Are you lost? You, I know you've been wandering around for 40 years. Are you going to wander around our city for 40 years? Which was the normal way to take down a castle. You surrounded it and you didn't let anybody in or out and you just starved them out. It was called a siege. And that's the way they normally did things. So th- these guys, the Canaanites inside the city of Jericho, I imagine they start hollering out taunts to the guys coming around. You think they really would? I think they'd stand in awe. After a while, though, when you figure out that they can't get in because you're... Well... Fear. I would think that they would be so fearful. Why would you think that? Why would you think that? Because you don't know what's going to happen. Because you would. Because you're smart. (laughs) But I've dealt with people... For years and seen them in circumstances where they should have known. Yeah, this sums up here. These guys, they don't look lost. They look like they know what they're doing. And we've heard awesome, we've heard weird stories. In fact, only four or five days ago, they walked over on dry land during the flood stage of the Jordan River. I mean, I, I agree with you, Yvonne. They should go. I know I know this looks okay and I'm not I'm not really scared but maybe I should be scared because of all the stuff that's happened with these guys already. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day, marched around the city seven times in the same manner and on that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, "Shout for the Lord has given you the city." Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. And this says he gave them this instruction right then and there. The city is doomed by the Lord to destruction. And it, it and all who are in it, only Rahab the, the, um, the word there for it's doomed by the Lord to destruction, that's a word uh, in the Hebrew that means it's, given up. It's like a sacrifice. Everything in the city is a sacrifice to the Lord. It's given up for destruction for the glory of the Lord. That's what that word means. It's the first fruit. It shall be doomed. What? First fruits. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It's the first fruits of their conquest of Canaan. 
They're going to get to keep stuff after this, but that first, that first battle, they give it all up. Uh, for destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all, all who are in her house, because she hid the messengers we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all, Jimmy, you're tell, you, you should have at least given us a warning. Um, what do you call that? Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Thank you, Jimmy. Don't take any of that stuff and you'll cause us all problems. Verse 19, but all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. It didn't just fall down, it fell down flat. Flat. I mean, it must have been like pavement because they said they're just supposed to walk straight forward in the city, start killing people. It's like a parking lot, just suddenly, all not rubble, it's, a, it's flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. So they've circled the city and everybody just walks straight in with this big old circle and closing that city and, and closing in on them. And uh, the people went in the city, every man straight before him. They took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Why did they do that? God gave them the instruction to do that. And there's not, it's not just for no reason. It, it's for a purpose. They were supposed to destroy all the people so that they wouldn't have idol worship and all that kind of stuff. They were supposed to clean, clean house. Which is part of unleavened, which they're going, this is a week of unleavened. Oh. And so Jews Good. were to clean out their house before that week started with everything unleavened. Right. That's what they normally did for Passover, what they were going to do for the Passover after this. I don't think it's the same once they've been in the desert because they, you know, it's like when you're on a vacation, you can't save up stuff, but which is what they've essentially been on in a vacation. They haven't had houses, but that's what they're going to do in the future. And this is how they got out all that they cleaned out. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there, bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had, so that they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. So they left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold, the vessel of bronze and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she has. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from Joshua sent out to spy Jericho. Um, I think that Joshua is the one that's writing all this stuff. So in the days that he was living, she, he said, and she lives there to this very day. And we've already talked about that she's in Jesus' lineage. Then Joshua charged them at that time saying, cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho again. He shall lay its foundations with his firstborn. So, okay, if you, you can build it if you want to, but you're going to put your firstborn as a foundation. They're going to be like the cornerstone, uh, which they wouldn't do. And with his youngest, he shall set up its gates. 
So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country, just like God said, I will raise you up and like I did Moses. Because I can imagine that Joshua thinks, why, why are these people going to follow? You know, I know that they've been following Moses all the time, but why are they going to follow me? Well, because God was going to show himself strong through, through, um, through Joshua. So, Part of that was drying up the Jordan and then going over it, don't you think? Sure. It was a, a testimony. Uh, to, it, was it was a sign yeah. that confirmed who Joshua was as the leader. Um, all right. I think I've covered everything. So the next thing is we find that Jimmy spoiled it for us. But next week we're going to see that somebody didn't follow the instructions on not taking stuff from Jericho. And they've been warned about it. And all of this happens just days after that miraculous things happen. Just right. They don't have a very good memory even though they've been told, remember this stuff. Well, I think, too, they must be silent because if they started talking, <laughs> that unbelief was raised up. That's a good word. Yeah, I call, yes. I call that the Jericho principle. If you don't know what to say, keep your mouth yeah. shut. Yeah. Yeah. Put yourself in the Word of God and a shout will come out of you. Then you're going to say the right yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Without the abundance of the heart, the mouth. That's a good word. That's why... Pastor Jacob, when Urias was in intensive care, what NICU, um, I mean, they said he's dead and he's not ever going to be a baby like you think he's going to be. He's not going to be able to walk, talk, not feed himself. Uh, you may, in fact, you may not be able to feed him. He, he'll be fed through tubes the rest of his life. They, that's what they were claiming for these people. That's why you got to be careful about telling people about what's going on with you. But Jacob said, when those doctors would tell him that, he said, I appreciate the work you're doing and I appreciate what you're saying, but we are a people of faith and this is what we believe. And and then J Jacob spread the word. He didn't keep a secret about it. And he said, "He, but he told people how to pray. We're going to pray in faith. We're going to pray for healing that that Urias will be whole and well and he won't have cerebral palsy, all of the neurological problems that, that they said if, he, if he's even able to walk a little bit or something, he's going to have problems his whole life. He's going to have to therapy. He'll never be able to live independently. Man, if you don't watch that kid, he's riding his bike out in the street. Um, he, and he does. He rides a bike. Um, he's how old is he now? Five years old? Four? Four or five? I'll tell you what. In one month, I was holding that baby in my arms and giving him neurological exam with nobody watching. I was sneaky. I was sneaking. Man, there's nothing wrong with this kid. He works 100. percent A month later, they said that they would be in the hospital for months, and he might not ever get out. He might always have to have such one word. Yeah. But God. Yeah. But God. The, the cool, the thing that Jacob did though was he didn't, he didn't just say this is how we want you to pray. He wrote the prayer out. And right. He said, yeah. You pray this with these scriptures, or don't pray. Yeah. yeah. 
Don't pray if yeah. this is not what you're going to pray. Right. You don't pray if it be your will, because right. it is God's will. So, okay. That's good. Yvonne and Jeff, both of you, that was good. That that keep, that they kept shut, their mouths shut, because if they'd started talking, they... Okay. <laughs> well, and I see people do that a lot. Like Peter always had his foot in his mouth. Yeah. He'd say, he said on one day he would say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said on that, I'm going to build my church. So that right there. And the very next day, Jesus has to say to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Because of, oh man, foolishness. We got to be careful for that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the rain that, that we have this evening. We are not going to complain about it. You are awesome in the way you provide for us all through the natural ways that you always do, but also the miraculous ways that are beyond explanation that we don't expect, and and that's how you operate. In, in all the ways that you function in providing for us, we just give you praise and give you praise for the great things that are going to happen um, That we've for the people that we've prayed for tonight, for healing and for, for change and... And we just pray for that right now, for change in so many situations, uh, uh, according to your word. Uh, watch over us and care for us as we drive home tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.